Hi, everyone, and welcome again to Bible Stories for Snarky People. I'm Josh. And I'm Sarah. And this chapter is not fun. It's what? It's not fun. It's not fun? What? You don't appreciate a good smiting? I mean, the smiting is the best part of this story. And that's saying something. Yes, everything in this chapter is awful. So awful that we want to give parents a heads up. This episode is not for young, young kids. Uh-uh. If you have been a loyal listener to a show, you know it's not really for young kids anyway. It's for tweens, teens, and older. But this chapter is really a problem. We won't put an age limit on it because that's not our decision. Just know that parents of younger ones should probably read Genesis chapter 19 on their own. And or listen to our take. Yes, before letting their kids hear this episode. Is that a deal? Do you expect them to respond? Oh, right, we're pre-recording this. Sorry, I feel so close to our listeners that I forgot. Can we get this chapter over with quickly, the same way we did for the last one? Sure. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 19. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gateway of Sodom. Oh, this clears up some of our singular plural confusion from last time. One of the men stayed behind to talk to Abraham. And that one turned out to be God. Meanwhile, these other two have a mission. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. He said, Please, my lords, turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you can rise early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the square. That sounds really uncomfortable. But he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. This hospitality language sounds familiar. Yeah. It's like what Abraham said to them when they showed up at his and Sarah's tent. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. All the people? Or just the men? Either way, that's a lot of people. Having your house surrounded by the entire population sounds really menacing. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may know them. Oh, maybe not so menacing. They just want to get to know them. How hospitable. Pull out all the icebreaker games. I'm afraid that no in this case, the Hebrew word uh, yada, it means something a little more, well, um, violent. Huh? They want to have sex with them. Forcibly. Uh, that's not great. Lot went out of the door to the men, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Look, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Gah! How could a father do that? Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. I get the idea of being hospitable, But this seems a little extreme. A little? Look, just because it's in the Bible, don't be shy about calling it like it is. This is absolutely horrible, and there's literally no excuse for Lot's behavior. Apparently, Lot is a terrible person. 
Abraham shouldn't have put in all that effort in chapter 14 to save his life. And this is so awful that we might be tempted to rush on, but let's pause for just a moment to establish what the problem is here. Do we have to? Really briefly. Is the problem that these guys want to know men? A lot of people point to this passage to condemn gay people. Or is the problem that the people of Sodom want to forcibly know anyone at all? It seems to be about strangers versus family. Gender isn't really a factor. And rape is not about sex. It's about violence. It's about exerting power over someone and humiliating them. How could Lot even think of allowing this to happen to his daughters? And how could that be preferable to letting his guests be taken? I mean, both are awful, but his daughters are his family. He should take care of them. But they replied, stand back. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien and he would play the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they're not letting Lot call them on their horrible behavior because he's not from around here? Dismiss the immigrant's opinion, why don't you? If they're gonna write him off, it shouldn't be because he's a foreigner. It should be because his ethics aren't much better than theirs. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near the door to break it down. But the men inside... Those would be the angelic beings. ...reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the door of the house, both small and great, so that they were unable to find the door. Wow, that's powerful. The door is, like, right there. Then the men said to Lot... Which men? The, the blind ones? No, the angels. Oh, okay. Then the men said to Lot... Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Judgment has been made! I guess there were only nine righteous people. I knew Abraham should have kept talking him down. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up! Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Why would you joke about this? When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get up! Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or else you will be consumed in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and left him outside the city. Sometimes mercy is forceful. Interesting, too, since we had a problem with the men of the city forcing something on Lot and his family... But this force is for saving their lives, not committing traumatizing atrocities to them. It's like pushing a toddler out of the way of an approaching car. When they had brought them outside, they said, Flee for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills or else you will be consumed. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, your servant has found favor with you, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot flee to the hills, for fear the disaster will overtake me and I die. I'm sorry, what? Then start running so you have a smaller chance of dying! Look, that city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. 
Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. That's not really how disasters work. Mm. If your house catches fire, you don't look for safety in your neighbor's house just because the fire isn't there yet. You run farther up the block. He said to him, Very well, I grant you this favor too, and will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Okay, I guess God can make the fire avoid the neighbor's house. Hurry, escape there, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the city was called Zoar. Why do we need to know its name? Oh, because Zoar means little. It does? The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Oof, that's a lot of damage. But Lot's wife behind him looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. In her defense, the angels didn't put all that much emphasis on not looking back. They just sort of folded it into their instructions to run. You might be interested to know that the area of the Dead Sea has lots of salt formations, and some of them may even look humanoid. Wait, there are lots of them? Or lots wives of them. But who are all the other salt people supposed to be? Hmm. I want more stories about this. Now I have to come up with a monster that goes around turning people into salt. Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain and saw the smoke of the land going up like the smoke of a furnace. Hey, back to the main character! I kind of forgot that Abraham wasn't there in the city with Lot and his family. He just got to watch the fireworks from far away. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the plain, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had settled. So God's preserving Lot to be nice to Abraham, mm. even though Lot is only a little less horrible than everybody else in Sodom. Yeah, I really get the idea that Lot was not one of the nine righteous people in the city. <coughs> but maybe at least his daughters were okay. <coughs> now Lot went up out of Zoar and settled in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. What's wrong with Littleville? Yeah, Lot was so keen to get there. What's he afraid of? He's gone up to the hills after all and prefers to live in a cave. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the world. That seems rather conceited. Well, they don't mean that there aren't any men worthy of them. They mean that there aren't any men. All the men they knew in their hometown are dead now, and they were all rapists. But what about Littleville? Mm, maybe there weren't any men there. That would explain why it's so little. Yeah. And it's going to keep getting smaller. Yeah. The other thing is that these girls just watched their fiancés get burned alive. Maybe they've been through such a traumatic experience that they basically think the world is ending. And maybe that's why Lot didn't want to stay in Tiny Town either. 
If fire and sulfur can rain from the sky and destroy your city, all things must be coming to an end. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, so that we may preserve offspring through our father. (laughs) I presume that lie with him means the same thing as knowing someone? Right you are, unfortunately. Uh, And if if they think the world is ending, why are they worried about having kids? So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she rose. That's not good. This is genetically a terrible idea, and also, like, relationship and consent-wise... On the next day, the firstborn said to the younger, Look, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, so that we may preserve offspring through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger rose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she rose. He's really drunk. (laughs) And it just occurred to me in this moment... Maybe they're really upset with their father for what he proposed to do to them back in Sodom. Oh, that's a good point. They may want revenge. This is, like, not good revenge, but it's a good point. Is there good revenge? Mm. Mm. Thus, both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and named him Moab. He is the ancestor of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and named him Ben-Ami. He is the ancestor of the Ammonites to this day. Great propaganda against your enemies. Mm. If they came from incest, they must be bad, right? You have put your finger on it on the purpose of this awful, awful story to badmouth the ancestors of the Israelites' competing tribes next door. It's an origin story to excuse bigotry. Is this chapter over yet? It is. And aren't you glad? Yay! Very. Mm. When we read the book of Esther, it was enjoyable to watch the horrible villains suffer. Yeah. But here, the whole thing just feels gross. Yeah. The schadenfreude song from last season just won't do it here. There aren't enough clear-cut good guys and bad guys, or maybe there just aren't enough clear-cut good guys. Also, instead of one jerk we've learned to hate over several chapters, it's a large city of vaguely horrible people which is used to justify their punishment, but we're not as personal with them. And not just horrible people, but also stupid people like Lot. I hope the next chapter will be more pleasant. Well, not much could be worse than this, that's for sure. But be aware that the whole family of Abraham and Sarah is pretty dysfunctional. And these are the parents of three major religions. I honestly think that's pretty profound. Our sacred texts don't paint the founders of Judaism as perfect people. This establishes that they are lesser than God. Which is the whole point. Yeah. But why do our characters have to be so terrible to make it clear that they're not better than God? Why do we even need some of these stories? Ah, you mean, why don't we just throw this part of the Bible away? Yeah, I mean... Who wants to read this stuff? It's just horrible people doing horrible things. Yeah, people ask this question often. 
There are plenty of things in the Bible that, in today's world, we just don't find helpful. That's an understatement. It's a big collection of writings. And wouldn't it be better to edit it down to the parts that are relevant to us, or at least bearable to us? Well, you may be interested to know that President Thomas Jefferson asked the same question. He put out his own version of the Bible called the Jefferson Bible. To this day, there's a tradition that a Jefferson Bible is given to all incoming members of Congress. I've never heard of it. What did he remove? Well, Jefferson was especially concerned about the miracles of Jesus. He thought Jesus was a wise teacher, but he just didn't believe that Jesus ever did anything supernatural. So he cut those parts out because he personally didn't find them useful. Those are kind of important, though. Oh, are they? Who gets to decide? Hmm. You never know what parts of the Bible might be important to someone who's not you. I can't imagine these terrible stories of sexual violence being any good to anyone, but maybe at the very least they might teach us how not to be? But Lot is still kind of presented as the hero in this story. Well, maybe not the hero, but the protagonist? Not a villain, anyway. Mm. But he seems to be okay with the people of Sodom raping his daughters. If we ever get to the book of Judges, we'll read the story of Jephthah, who offered his daughter as a human sacrifice because he made a foolish vow. He's the protagonist of that story, too. Yet rabbis all down through the ages identified Jephthah as a great example of the Bible teaching us what not to do. Well, Abraham is better than Lot anyways. Maybe. For now. What's that supposed to mean? Next time on Bible Stories for Snarky People, Abraham and Sarah go to live in another land as brother and sister. What? No, not again. Why? We'll see you next time. Bye.